Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and joined with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. How's it going today, Anthony? Very good. Do you know what today is? Sunday. Our 25th podcast. Yes, number 25. Yes. It's, it's kind of a landmark slash benchmark, we'll call it. Indeed. So we just keep the, the ideas flowing. We try our right. best. We do. We try our best with uh, keeping things exciting for our audience, right? And topics that people might like. Well, yeah, but I mean, we have to like them first. And if we don't like them, because then if yeah. we don't like them, we can't fake it. No, it's hard to talk about for a period of time, right? Yeah, I do that enough in history class where I have to make <laughs> talk pretend like I'm, I'm really psyched about the Industrial Revolution. True. And you know what? I have the opposite. Right. I have to listen. Mm. <laughs> and act like I'm yeah. excited about it. So. Right, right, right. All right. So our show today is title is still under renovation, but our topic is going to be on OCD. Well, you know what? When I come up with the titles of the of the episodes after they're done, right? And because so that's like a lot of authors would do a working title because they'll mm-hmm. finish it and they go, you know, what's a good title for this? So mm-hmm. you know, it's a uh, title is still um, still pending. It is pending. You know, discussion. Post-production. Yes. Right. So it's OCD, which you guys may know as obsessive compulsive disorder. Figured there'd be a lot of uh, interest in this since it seems to be interesting for most people. Do you have your quote? I have two quotes, actually. You have two. Wow. Well, one is a meme, and it's one that we probably are all familiar with. Mm -hmm. I think this is a picture of a young Carol Burnett, and it says, um, you call it OCD. I call it put the effing thing back where it belongs. Um, and then there's like a picture of Carol and she's kind of got like a mm. smile on her face. Looks dopey. Yeah. And then the second one is by a Chrissy McDermott. If you want to Google her, I didn't really have time to, but OCD is like having a bully stuck inside your head and nobody else can see it. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I picked this one is, you know, I'm going to learn more about OCD. I, I mean, I've got a an idea of it. So and that's one thing I like doing these podcasts with you is because I, I can learn so much. Uh-huh. Hopefully that's what everybody else uh, is doing too. So why would this be, you know, why would people feel that there's a bully inside them if they suffer OCD? What's the bully you right. know, about? So um, that's often the, um, the language we use for children. We call it a worry bully. So it's like a perpetual voice. It's your own voice because you're not typically psychotic with OCD, although I guess it could transcend into that, especially if you have lack of sleep, you could become psychotic. But it's like um, someone in your mind, this voice telling you the oh no's, right? Like, oh no, you have to check that lock five times or bad things are going to happen. And you feel like you need to succumb to this bully that nobody else hears. And it's guiding you and scaring you. Uh, the root of OCD, as well as most anxiety disorders, is fear and doubt. So it's like having this voice everywhere you go, maybe on your shoulder, just telling you the world is a scary place. You're walking through landmines. And in order to prevent bad things from happening, you need to right. do these behaviors. It's overcompensating being that little Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, Jiminy yeah. Like the conscious, but yeah. it's it's not a nice chimney. No, chimney needs to chill. It's like, ah, this bad thing's going to happen, you know, and people believe, you know, they have to give in to this bully. So we talk about it as a 
a worry monster or a bully monster, you know, worry bully worry with monsters, kids. I like that. It's cute. Yeah. And speaking of that, there is a book I recommend um, that I do use with kids because, you know, kids have OCD and they come in and see us. Uh, what to do when your brain gets stuck. It's a kid's guide to overcoming OCD. And it's a, uh, a psychologist that wrote it, Dawn Hubner. And she has a lot of good uh, books in her series that are really cute for uh, anxiety. So kids can really relate to it and feel normalized that they're not the only one with these worry thoughts. I think that's what helps a lot of people along when they have, whether it's OCD or, or anything, that it's like, it, mm -hmm. you're not the only person. You right. know, it's not just you. It makes it a little bit better knowing that you know you're not alone in this and that there are other people that are going through maybe even worse you know mm -hmm. than what you're going through right? absolutely yeah and group therapy is often good for that or when they come to therapy with us they'll they'll hear that this is actually there's a name for this disorder because there's a lot of shame that comes with anxiety a lot of uh, cultural shame or family shame about it being weak like you can't do these things because of anxiety right yeah do you have a do you have a quote i do so i don't have an author for this i believe it's just anonymous OCD thoughts can come into your mind, but it is up to you to pay attention to them. Okay. So what do you think that means? I think that in order to combat your OCD is you need to have, you know, tell people, mostly students, you know, you need to have a better filter. We can't just say everything we want to say all the time. Or I mean, or there's just going to be a lot of, you know, blowback. So you need to have a filter. And so in this case, the filter of things that are coming into your brain that are causing you anxiety through your OCD, you have to differentiate, okay, that's something to be concerned with. That's something to be maybe worried about, concerned about. This one isn't, you know, and, and try to, you know, trim the fat, so to speak, as to what's really important to, I don't want to use say worry, but overly concerned or, you know, on your radar about and some things that are just like not necessarily Worth, worth worrying yeah. about. Yeah. So this is actually speaks to a uh, technique in acceptance commitment therapy called diffusion. And in that type of therapy, you learn to diffuse from your thoughts, D-E-F-U-S-E. So you don't hook into them. So there's exercises for that that we teach. There's a cute little uh, metaphor for train of thoughts. Imagine you're sitting on a hill watching your thoughts go by. You don't have to hook into them. So if you, you pay attention to those thoughts and give in to the compulsion, especially if there's a behavioral component, then it's giving OCD power. It's giving it control or ruling, ruling over you. So you don't have to pay attention just because those thoughts pop into your mind. We have all kinds of weird thoughts that pop into our mind. They're bizarre. But someone with OCD will ruminate and dwell on those thoughts and believe them to be true. I have a couple of questions. You do? Q&A. Yeah. Of course okay. I do. So, Dr. Rafa. What are the different types of OCD? Well, they're usually lumped into different categories, and we kind of think of them as you know, different themes, basically, of OCD. So cleaning contamination, order and symmetry, counting. Harm OCD is like a harm coming to yourself or others, and hoarding is another type of OCD. There's also themes of relig religiosity and scrupulosity. That's another one, but they sometimes cross over. So the cleaning contamination is the one that we're mostly familiar with, yeah, yeah. the germs, and we have to clean this. And often times there's an if-then kind of like rule that people with OCD live by and anxiety too. If I clean this, you know, hundred times and, you know, then bad things won't happen or right. somebody won't get in a car accident, that kind of thing. So cleaning contamination can be an okay thing. This is always just in excess because yes, we need to clean and get rid of germs and things like that. 
order and symmetry, these are often mental exercises. And I've seen people with this with themes of even and odd. They have to count certain times. Like I have to count eight times in order for, you know, me to then walk into this room. You know, I have to check the doorknob eight times. Don't know why it's eight, but people tend to come up with these numbers in their mind, whether it's odd or even. I think it's more even than odd generally. I think think there's a lot of that. And going back to sports psychology, I think there's a lot of superstitions (laughs) where I remember reading most of these examples being in baseball. You know, like not, I mean, if you ever watch a pitcher would not step over the um, the line, you know, first base line when they're going back to the dugout or third base, whatever side they're going on, mm-hmm. you know, certain things that are lucky to them or unlucky, whether it be even or odd or, or you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, so there's different, different things like that. But um, and of course, there's always the, you know, if a guy's pitching a perfect game, nobody talks to him mm-hmm. and like he's, he's left alone or he looks like, you know, they're, they're like shunning him, but it's just like, you don't want to say anything to him because you don't want to jinx it. So you Mm -hmm. just leave him alone, you know what I mean? For his own good. Right. And so there's a difference between that and, you know, like, again, like there's no harm in that, I guess, so to speak, to have superstitions. And the other ones are the harm OCD. So that is usually it's coupled with a ritual. You know, like I said, there, there are examples I've, I've seen read before that if I sit and worry, like we talked before about productive worry and unproductive worry, Mm -hmm. like what's helpful and what you pay attention to, people will think if I worry about my, let's say my spouse is going to get in a car accident, but if I sit and worry so much and then he pulls into the driveway and he's fine, if they falsely believe it's their worry that caused the spouse to come home without, you know, harm. Right. Yeah. There's also harm where people will believe they're going to harm their child. I'm going to kill my child. I'm going to harm my child. Um, that they are that they themselves are going to harm somebody else. Now, again, very different than a murderer and a serial killer because mm-hmm. these people have like uh, guilt about it or, or worry about it. So they may go to the opposite extreme to then not bond with their baby because they're afraid they're going to murder their baby. Okay, so that, that, there, there has to be something to that with their upbringing. I mean, there, there's some. I mean, what makes somebody like that? Like. You mean to have that belief? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's insane. <laughs> I mean, insane. no. Th- I mean, you're going to have a family. Okay, I want to have a no, family. And then a, you have that belief. like Yeah, it's OCD. Well, there's biology behind it. So there, there's a strong family history, you know, genetically that's linked as well. And there are thoughts that, you know, neurochem- neurobiologically, neurochemically, that um, neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine are associated with the pathophysiology of OCD. Do you think that's more of a, a mother thing than a father thing then uh, as far as uh, feeling for that women? way about your kids or? You know what? I've been to a lot of workshops specifically for OCD and anxiety and treatment for it. And ones that they use are generally women that believe that they're going to harm their child. Okay. Well, cause they're, they're, but, I mean, um, they're the ones mm-hmm. that are nursing and, and, you know, the caregivers for the most part, part compared to the father, obviously. Right. right. So exactness and symmetry is the other one. The hoarding is now in the DSM-5 as a, um, as a type of OCD, people yeah. that are holding on to things in order, you know, to get some emotional um, I was, I was, uh, connection. I have, <laughs> I have a, a tinge of that, but I blame my mother. She was, yeah, oh. it's learned. A lot of it is learned. Some of it is learned, you know. And then there's, I mentioned the the religious themes and the scrupulosity. That's like the the devil is going to you know harm me if I don't do these things, or God is going to punish me if I don't do these things. 
So maybe that comes from religious upbringing as well. well I, I think yeah, if you're devoutly Catholic yeah. or any religion you are devoutly, you know, you obsess on it and you, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Martin Luther used to, you know, his OCD was um, to punish himself. He would um, sleep in the freezing cold mm -hmm. without blankets. And he felt like this was his way to show God that, you know, look, I'm punishing myself and I'm, Mm -hmm. For whatever, whatever he thought, he, I mean, again, he, you know, just, he was just paranoid about anything uh, that he didn't think that was, um, look finally upon God, you know, I guess uh, he was a bit neurotic. Yeah. And there are links with the neurotic, the neuroses and neuroticism as well. So um, there's different themes and they generally fall into those themes. I've had people come in with all different ones. Definitely not. I don't, I haven't seen too many with the religious themes, right. you know, in my practice. And there are places that specialize in OCD that you go and get like, you know, like intense treatment for it. I bet you the you ones know? who are, the, the ones who have the religious connection, they don't feel it's a problem. They may not. They might yeah. feel like this is what God had intended for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is a burden, but mm -hmm. in order to get into heaven, it's not easy. So mm -hmm. this is what is asked of me. So, mm -hmm. right. you know, it, they, again, they look at the, uh, what they need to do is, is worthy and justified. Oh, yeah. Well, they always justify it, right? People who have... Yeah, but um, when you bring God into the equation, like, I mean, how do you... What, what right. trump card is going to beat that in, in session? Well, it's really hard because, you know, like a lot of this stuff... All right, so uh, we'll go into the treatment, but a lot of this stuff is hard to, to prove. Like, how do we know that that's going to... God isn't going to punish you. You have to test stuff out. You have to right. test out assumptions. So it's really important with treatment to look at possibility versus probability. Just because something is possible to happen doesn't mean that the probability of it happening is true. So it gets tricky with that, right? With devil and God and because we can't do too many exposures other than setting up experiments and seeing what happens, basically. Mm -hmm. But some of them are a little scary. You put a knife out in front of somebody and say, okay, like I... I really don't think you're going to stab me or stab your children. This could be it's another, a little scary. This could be another, maybe a topic for a podcast down the road. Um, this is a dynamic that I was, I'm just, I guess, starting to think about now, just what we're talking about. But I mean, is there a way to, I don't want to say tiptoe or walk on eggshells, but like, you know, say if you have somebody who is a devout, you know, who is religious, you know, very extremely religious, whatever they're and you're trying to help them and then they keep playing the religion card on you and you're like, how do you, how do you reason with that? Or how do you understand that? But say, yeah, but you know, that must be tough. Do you come across many, many, uh, uh religious I, fanatics? No, I really don't. I and mean, I don't mean that case. in a bad way, religious fanatics. I mean, just those who are very devoutly religious, they take it extremely serious. I just want everybody to know I'm not dissing religion. You know? I mean, I haven't, I, again, I'm looking at this case right now from this workshop that I went to and this, this woman, was she had the OCD scrupulosity type and she had obsessions about the devil, wanting the devil in her life and to oh, have sexual relations with that's the devil. Fun. Yeah. So <laughs> praying for forgiveness, replacing bad thoughts over and over again. So you can get creative with um, you know, exposure exercises for them. But yeah, so you you might see this with people as far as like the counting. Sometimes they do it very quietly. They might tap with their fingers. They, they, might they know do. it's not accepted. Or it's not even in, they may, may not always be in their conscious awareness, I want to say. Like, I think most people Or they just know. do it so often, they don't even think of it. Well, they don't, they just think of it as quirky or weird, right. you know. So let me just give some stats real quick okay. um, before I forget. OCD is listed by the World Health Organization as one of the top 10 most disabling disorders. Mm. It affects over 5 million people in the U.S., 
starts in males often earlier than it does females. So we can see it in younger, younger males more than females. And there are, like I mentioned, obsessions and compulsions are two different things. So there could be pure obsessions. It's not in the di- it's not in the DSM, but I have heard patients explain to me that they Googled pure O. <laughs> it sounds like a drug. It's like pure obsessions without the compulsions. But um, so they're not simply excessive worries about real life problems. Person attempts to ignore the obsessions or neutralize them with some other thoughts. So again, there's like treatment for this, but it has to get in the way of their functioning. Like with any mental disorder or diagnosis, it can't just be that, you know, you do, you, you count five times before you leave the house and then you're fine. You go check your curling iron, your dishwasher. It's fine. It has to get in the way. And that usually is by time. It's time consuming to do these exercises and behaviors over and over. Oftentimes people end up being late places, you know. So that's the difference between obsession and compulsion. So obsessions are thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you touched, you, you elaborated know, on it, so just them. further that, like, so just to elaborate more yeah. on that difference, on the difference differentiation. Yeah. So obsessions are recurrent and persistent thoughts, impulses, or images. Oftentimes when people have anxiety, they think of terms of images that are experienced at some time during the disturbance as intrusive and inappropriate, and that cause marked anxiety or distress. So again, it's not simply excessive worries. Compulsions are behaviors. So generally, the compulsions are repetitive behaviors or mental acts that the person feels driven to do in order to get rid of or in response to the obsession. They have rules in their mind that must be applied to rigidly. So they, in their mind, they have to check eight times or tap eight times or count eight times. No reason why, (laughs) instead of seven, has to be eight because it doesn't feel right if they don't do it the other way. And the reason that they do the compulsion is to prevent or reduce the anxiety or the distress, preventing some dreaded event or uh, catastrophe or situation. And the compulsions are not connected in a realistic way to, you know, they're they're sometimes weird. Like they they understand that these things are are strange. So they really have a lot of insight when people have OCD. They have a lot of insight into their behaviors or their thoughts being bizarre. I heard um, a funny story about um, Chris Farley and David Spade. They were buddies working on uh, a movie mm-hmm. and um, interviewed David Spade. It's talking about how Chris Farley was, you know, despite all of his other problems with drugs and alcohol, but he was, OC- he had massive OCD. And so when he was on set, sometimes he would like tap on the, he would walk you know, and like back and forth and like, it'd have to be like 10, spa- 10 paces back and forth. And then he would stomp on the floor three times and then do it again. And, mm-hmm. and David would like, what are you doing that for? He's like, well, that's just to get all the evil spirits or just mm-hmm. something, you know, whatever out. And then the David would, would mess with them. And he goes, no, that's good. That, no, actually it's the exact opposite, Chris. Uh, what you're doing is you're um, by stomping on the floor, that's actually uh, you're, you're banging on uh, Satan's ceiling. And so that, that's calling him up. And Chris would like, again, mm-hmm. maybe he's hopped up on something. Shut up, David. That's not what I'm doing. Yeah, you are. You're bringing the devil in here. I am not. Stop it. You know, and, and uh, of course, he's paranoid and he's got all. I'm like, like mm-hmm. this poor guy. Mm-hmm. David's just messing with him. Just messing with him. Right? Um, well, how do you treat OCD? That's the big question, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, the way that. And it all differentiates the, purpose, the person and the type. And... No. No? Okay. What do you mean? Well, tell me, you know. Uh, <laughs> So the evidence-based treatment for OCD, the best way, and in my opinion, the only way to treat it, 
is exposure and response prevention. So it's asking people to expose to their fears and asking them to change the cycle in some way. So for instance, like I mentioned, if someone taps seven, eight times, you get them to tap seven times. Like they have to change their ritual and their routine. And we also have to test out assumptions. So you can be very creative with this where, you know, like people worry about devices in their home causing fires. Okay, let's just leave the curling iron on all day and see what happens. And again, you have to do this sometimes in a controlled way. And examples of this are extreme. And if you have a clinic, you can really do this better. But it's really whatever they're afraid of, you build a fear hierarchy from a scale of maybe one to eight or one to seven and go up the the steps. Okay. So you're worried that you're going to, that's a good one because I, I keep thinking of really extreme ones. You're worried that if you don't pray nine times, then your dog is going to die. Okay. So don't pray nine times. So you start out with, let's pray eight times and see what happens to your dog. Okay. Let's pray seven and so times and you eight, keep going so, and hey, then not at all. Works, you know? Seven can work too. Yeah. yeah I see so you that. have to change it or the, you know, testing it out, like not touching something, not counting. And people have weird ones that are really hard to. to so what? Test yeah. Out. So what I meant by is like that. So that person thinks that their dog is going to die. So oh, you meant that? Yeah. 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 So oh, okay. like, I mean, oh yeah. There's yeah, a variety. There's a reason within, why they yeah. do it, but everybody's reason is different, right? So there's a variety of ways to you know come up with exposure exercises, and the hard part about it is the main coping mechanism and behavioral response to anxiety, especially OCD, is avoidance. So trying to convince somebody to do this is very difficult. So you can link that up with, well, this is getting in the way of your life. It's getting in the way of your family and your relationship. So let's try to, you know, fix these things. Sometimes when people have contamination fears, you know, they can eat the peanuts, put their hand in like the, the dirty peanuts and eat it and see if they get sick. Lots of different things you can do to be creative. Now, sometimes, you know, we can have fun. We can have fun with it for the most part. I've done this with emetophobia, which is the fear of vomiting with one of the uh, kids I used to see. So we did a whole, with the internet, you can do a lot. You can watch videos mm -hmm. about vomiting. You could listen to vomit. I made fake vomit. <laughs> so lots of different things you can do, you know, but that is the best treatment. Medication is an option, you know, certain types of anti-anxiety. the fear of tubas? The fear of tubas. Like if, you're, so, if you're scared of hearing a tuba and it maybe reminds you of something else that took place that was just horrific <laughs> that somebody did. And they didn't think you heard. <laughs> so I would say that we would start with a step one of listening uh, to a tuba, listening to an instrument, listening to different. Maybe start with a flute or a clarinet, build our way. Move up. Move up to the or tuba. Or we would have to be like a like one second tuba. Oof. Like, but sometimes. And then go up to like a minute of a tuba. Right. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, tubas that are silent are deadly. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, let's move okay, on. Okay, so musical instrument. Does, does anybody sit down with you and say, Dr. Rafa, I have OCD? Oh, most people already know it. Oh, okay. oh but are they yeah. are they open to it? Like, oh, yeah, are like they forthcoming they or is it more like, I'm, and then you have to kind of convince them to, for them to understand they have it? Or is it like, I know I've got OCD. I know I'm a hot mess. Help me. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. It depends okay. on if they've been in treatment before. A lot of, again, they're people who have obsessive compulsive disorder. They realize that their behaviors and their thoughts are excessive and unreasonable. It's not like someone who has schizophrenia that believes their delusion, like believes that their delusions are real and their paranoia is real. They realize this is crazy, but I just have to do this. And they often say that, like, 
I know this sounds crazy, but I, I need to do this because they have so much anxiety. Um, so but it's okay to have me. a little OCD as long as it doesn't like make you late for work. It doesn't affect your job, affect your relationships. As long as it's tame, as long as you can keep it to a minimum, like you said, like, okay, you know what? I, I locked my door and I have to go back three times to double check that it's locked. As long as I make it to work on time, yeah, what's a big deal? Right. It has to not get in the way of functioning. And again, that's subjective, right? Like some people may have a minor case of OCD and they're, they don't want to have it anymore. Okay. Um, and the thing about exposure and response prevention is, again, convincing people to do this thing that they've been avoiding inevitably causes an increase in anxiety. So we do a before, during, and after, you know, like a zero to 10 sud scale to see where their anxiety level is. And I, your anxiety is going to go up. When you hear that tuba, when you count seven times, when you see that vomit, it's going to increase, but sit with it and let the anxiety go down. And we look for a 50% reduction. So it starts to go down, then, you know, we move on from there. So this is fun work when we do it. I have a game. Already? You, yeah. If, if you're done. You ready I'm, for the game? I'm, I'm ready done. for the game. But if you, anyway, anything else that you wanted to touch upon? Well, the only thing I wanted to say, which okay. I, I forgot to say last time, is I'm so glad that we have so many downloads and listeners and some people are calling my office. I only take cash patients. I don't take any insurance. And at the moment, I'm not taking any new patients. So sorry, guys. You can call, but that's the response you'll get. Okay. We do have a lot of other fantastic therapists, though, that can treat OCD and anxiety and see kids. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate your phone calls. But yes, I don't have room at the inn right now. <laughs> room at the inn. <laughs> no vacancies. No vacancies, Dr. Raffi. What? All right, so go ahead. All right, so this game is OCD or not. I couldn't come up with a catchy <laughs> title, but I'm going to give you two celebrities. And okay. you tell me, celebrities, icons in history, and you tell me, which one has OCD and which one does not. Okay. Now I tried to, first of all, I. Yeah. And this isn't verified. This is just as much information as we can. As much, yeah, exactly. Or that they may have disclosed. No, most of okay. them have disclosed. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, we don't have to fact check. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to be sued or, or anything. Although let out the stone over here. All right. So the first two individuals, mm -hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio or Matthew McConaughey. Oh no! One of them has OCD. One of them has disclosed. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. He uh, he's recovered OCD, or he's dealt with it. In he's the past. dealt with it. Yeah, there is recovery. Oh man, these are like two of my favorite. People. That's why I put them together. That's why, because you know, when that. I when I saw the one, I go, who would be a good? Okay. Yeah. So let me just before I guess, let me tell you my thinking. Okay. Okay. So I know a lot about Leonardo DiCaprio, and I've never seen that disclosed. Although it doesn't mean it's not true. Matthew McConaughey, I read his book, but it was just green lights. So maybe he didn't disclose it in his green light book. So I'm going to go with um, Matthew McConaughey. Eh, no. It's Leo. My Your boy, boy has Leo. OCD. He needs to I make an almost, appointment with you. Now, if Leo, I would would, you, would make, you would make room for Leo? I absolutely would. So big of you. <laughs> I know. I tell you. Uh, you know what? You know when you take a test? And you go, you're just supposed to go with your gut and the 90%. I really wish I did because we're Leo. I know. It's you, what is he obsessed with? Models? I, I don't know. You'd have gorgeous to maybe, models. Maybe that's it. Being a fantastic actor. I, I don't know. Being gorgeous. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's hell, I guess. I don't know. Oh, all right. So he's in, so he had treatment with someone. I 
I, I glossed over this on a website. I didn't go. I didn't go into no, it. No, no. You want me to come? No, no, I need no. To give you, you said he's in recovery. I'll write an essay and, and, no. and hand it on your desk in, in a week. I need to know. You said he was in recovery from it. So okay, Howie Mandel mm-hmm. or Steve Harvey, both mm-hmm. on kind of game shows. So that's right. why I kind of put them. Oh, together. you put them together. I believe Howie Mandel uh, said that he Big was. Time. He's like every huge. interview he talks about his yeah. OCD. Yeah. And I think what does you know what kind he has? The is worst it, kind. I don't know. Like, I mean, he's, I mean, I, 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 I heard him uh, talking about how he just. I think it's the cleaning kind. He, the, I think, you know, you're right. It is the cleaning type. kind where he just can't, he just gets like, you like know. he has to clean constantly. Yeah, where he has And to, sometimes these people, by the way, that with um, OCD, like they hurt themselves because they're clean. They're using chemicals and oh. they're using all, and, or they just wash their hands excessively oh, where they have blisters on their no. hands. Right. Unless exactly. you, put, I mean, you have to continue, lotion, lotion. Lot, but yeah. then they wash the lotion off. <sighs> So you can actually hurt yourself. Okay. Two 20th century icons, mm-hmm. Hugh Hefner or Howard Hughes. So I did there uh-huh. the Hugh. Yeah. You did the Hughes and the, okay. Or Howard Hughes. Uh, <laughs> Hugh Hefner. That's Howard Hughes. Yeah. He's a bit of a recluse. Was he? Yeah. He let his fingernails grow to like Freddy Krueger. Um, and, and Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I was thinking Hugh Hefner was he was obsessed with Playboy Bunnies. And beauty and perfection. perfection. Okay. Yep. Bunnies. Bunnies? (laughs) That's what bunnies. Um, All right. Um, Fred Rogers. Okay. Okay. Or another another child host of a a show, more of a game show, but still a kid show. Do you remember um, uh, Mark Summers? No. Mark Summers. Let me just real quick. Double Trouble. Double Trouble. Oh. Right? Right. He's from Philly. He's a yeah. guy. Okay, so I'm going to go with Mr. Rogers because he always looked very neat and perfectionistic and organized with his sweaters. And now, granted, this could have just been on TV and maybe he was a slob otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible, right? Well, they were, they were TV people to take care of the apartment that he would walk in on. Yeah. Um, no, it's actually Mark Summers. And I saw, so in an interview, he talked about this. So if you're familiar or you remember the show Double Trouble, yeah, vaguely. Yeah. People would get this is where the you know the whole slime thing is on Nickelodeon, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they'd get slimed. And he's on a show. Right. So he is like oh, he OCD and mm-hmm. you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. And he's on, and I think that he got slimed a couple of times by accident That's or whatever. Expensive. And he says it helped him with his OCD, but it, it, when he got the part, he was petrified because it's like it's a big break, yeah. but he's got these issues. So sometimes people can face these fears, you know, especially the health anxiety, you know, people being afraid of catching an illness. Like, again, one of the kids that I was seeing had the emetophobia and one of the best things, and obviously she's fine now, was getting a stomach flu. You know why? Because then she threw up. So then our coping plan at school was this is what you would do if this were to happen, which, by the way, is always a good It's part of CBT is a um, not just an exposure plan, but a, a coping plan. So. She actually got sick and had a stomach flu and lived through it and saw that it wasn't so bad. There's a great... I so just, there's natural exposures. I wanted to um, we, we up. look up real quick because there's an excellent, excellent video, about seven minutes, of Mark Summers. And he's on The Tonight Show. It's a famous scene. Burt Reynolds is on with him. The late, great Burt Reynolds. Well, some mm-hmm. of you might not think he's great. I do. Anyway. His mustache is great. That, the toupee is great. Probably the best toupee I've ever seen. And the mustache, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. But he is on with Mark Summers, and the two of them just throw water at each other, and then it just gets it gets crazy. It's a Jay Leno Tonight Show, so it's not that that old, but it's pretty old. Okay, I digress. Next two, Albert Einstein, mm-hmm. Walt Disney. 
Mm. Oh, my goodness. I think Albert Einstein. You're correct. Albert Einstein. Yeah. Do you know what kind he is? No, I didn't. I should know. You know what? Really? I should. Should. I should have. You could have. Could have. And I would have liked with the look I'm getting to. now, I should have. <laughs> I would have liked. on each one. I could cut, you know, a couple of, uh, but hey, now there's something for, for the people listening. Can now go Google Einstein and um, they can, uh, you know, see exactly what kind of uh, OCD. That Counting, you know, probably a lot of people. He was good with numbers. Silently have. Yeah. yeah, he probably had something with numbers and, you know, the mental stuff. So again, like it has to get in the way of functioning. So clearly he was able to function. I don't know how debilitating his may have been, but he was able to function and not necessarily in a mental institution because of OCD. Next two, I've got, got six more. You have some ladies? Yes, they're coming. Okay. Thomas Edison. Okay. Nikola Tesla. <laughs> Tesla? Is that your, Nikola is that your Tesla? choice? That's yeah, it is Tesla. Yeah. I think I heard that. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ladies. The ladies. How about, the ladies. How about this lady? Lady Gaga uh-huh. or Katy Perry? Um, I know. Remember when we looked up diagnoses? Katy Perry had depression. I know that. Um, I'm going to go with Lady Gaga. It was Katy Perry. It was KP. And I don't know the, the ins and outs. So. Well, listen, sometimes people have comorbidities, meaning that they have more than one diagnosis. I have some people who have uh, OCD and generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety disorder and PTSD. <laughs> so a lot of anxiety disorders, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Lady Gaga. Okay. Two of the greatest directors of all time, Stanley Kubrick or Francis Ford Coppola. Mm, I believe you've shared this with me in your love of Francis Ford Coppola. Maybe I have, or maybe he had something else. Maybe so, maybe not. Yes. It's a fish song. Maybe so, maybe not. Okay. So Francis Ford Coppola and who else? And Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Loved red and blue. All right, Stanley Kubrick. That is the one. Francis Ford Coppola had, was bipolar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. Stanley yeah, Kubrick bipolar. is uh, OCD. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next up, it's the Battle of the Jessicas. Jessica Alba versus Jessica Biel. Mm, J and J. So Jessica Biel. Alba. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Eh, I can see that. Okay. I can see that. Next, Battle of the lead, lead singer of the boy bands, Justin Timberlake versus Adam Levine. Oh, gosh. Um, I want to say Adam Levine. You know why? Why? I don't like him. You don't like Adam Levine? <laughs> I don't like Adam Levine. Why not? I'm not saying I don't like OCD. I'm not saying well, I don't. Yeah, obviously, yeah. But I don't like him, so I'm just going to say him. I don't like him. Have you ever seen him on TV? I, I on just, like the voice and he's a oh i don't have have lunch with him or talk to him i just like his his songs no, justin timberlake is okay really and you know maybe in real life he's not a wonderful person i, I doubt he is okay adam if you're listening call in or email or write and let us know what kind of a wonderful person you actually are mm-hmm. and um but yeah it's um it's actually justin timberlake yeah yeah and uh, so thank god because if jessica beale and Justin timberlake oh, were both acd yeah oh that my god be they, too much yes. that would be a genetic so she is montage. his rock uh, as far as to get him through this right I wonder, yeah i wonder again i wonder well listen so people who have ocd can have perfectionism too it's well, yeah, not a type of ocd yeah. but you can be highly successful obviously sure. with ocd because of your perfectionism well same thing when we're talking about narcissists like yeah. a lot of narcissists are very successful 
Right. Not all. Because of their ruthlessness. Right. Not all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and their finally, innovation. finally, two soccer icons, Pele mm-hmm. or David Beckham? David Beckham. David Beckham. I want to say I heard that. Okay. Before. So any common theme with these people that you can see? I don't know. You know what? Now, you want me to do that? Now, that's extra things you want me to do. No, no. A common theme between these individuals, they present very perfect or they present very good together. And maybe there's some of that. Some, now, I don't know about. Albert, well, was it Albert? Okay, Howard Hughes was kind of a hot mess from the get go. I'm trying to look at anybody else who. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick <laughs> yeah, was kind not. of a creep. Everybody okay. else seems Well, Justin okay. Timberlake, Leonardo DiCaprio, right. Alba, Jessica right. Alba, um, David Beckham, they're all good looking. I don't know if there's a correlation so to being looking. really good looking and having OCD. <laughs> maybe. Um, you know, maybe. Beckham. Maybe yeah, there are a lot of, uh, ah, okay. Um, yeah, Tesla was quite handsome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Marilyn Monroe said that Einstein was the sexiest man she'd ever seen. So there you go. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what she said. She, she literally said, she high? Well, was she, <laughs> he, he's so smart. He, she was attracted to his brain. To his intellect. Like, yeah, his intellect. She knew him? Well, she knew, like they met. Yeah. And like, I guess she said this, it could have been just like a, something, a publicity stunt or something to get her in a paper. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who mm-hmm. knows? Good to know. That's, it, this is why history and psychology interweaves well. I was talking about our podcast to somebody and generally, I don't know about, well, I guess it doesn't really go your way. It goes my way. Oh, is he a therapist or a psychologist too? No, he's a history teacher. And I have, you know, psychology's in everything. So history and psychology blend to create talk therapy CBT. Why not? Why not? Okay, so summary for today. Do you want to launch into a summary? Mm, let's see. What's the best treatment for OCD? Best treatment? Yes, according to Dr. Rafa, an well, evi- evidence-based I'm not going to, yeah, yeah. I do you mean, remember? I'm just finding out why people do the things they do and then just try to get them to do less of it. I mean, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing now, but. You are, you, you don't remember, jeez. No, I don't. ERP, exposure and response. Exposure, okay. Yeah, well. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead. You're supposed to expose to your fears, right? Right. So by counting, by doing something, if you do something eight times a day, going mm-hmm. to seven, is it kind of... Changing the routine yeah. and changing the uh, compulsions. Now, again, it's hard with the obsessions because there's not a compulsion. Although some may say that the thinking over and over again is kind of a compulsion. Like thinking a word over and over again, so you think of a different word. So there's lots of crafty stuff you can do. Sometimes medication is is indicated. Isn't that always the case, unfortunately? Look, it helps us a lot of times with our therapy because in order to convince somebody to do exposure, there's a heightened anxiety that comes along with that. It's a blessing and if and a that curse. can help, they get off the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. They stop spinning, spinning, spinning. You know, it makes my work easier as long as, you know, it doesn't always work for everyone, but right. as long as it helps. And of course, I guess the key word here is moderation. Right. Test it out. So it's a lot of testing assumptions to see what happens when. And then looking at the possibility versus probability. Yes, it is possible that if you stop worrying, your spouse may not come home and get into a car accident. But there, there's this whole thing about causality that I go into using CBT tools and logic. So, so don't worry. Right. You have to convince somebody not to worry about this thing. Use a worry journal and so see the, if their spouse comes home. The person home. who obsesses on, if I don't worry mm-hmm. all night long yeah. and do whatever scenario or whatever ritual, then my spouse is, is you know, not going to come home safe. Right. And then I'm going to stop doing that. Right. And then after a week, he keeps coming home safe. Yeah. And then on the eighth night, he dies tragically in a car accident. 
Oh. That person is gone, bad. right? Like, because they told you, <laughs> and look what like... you made me do. And now I killed my husband or wife because of you. It's all my fault and I get sued. And it'll be, mm. well, I don't know if they're going to sue you, but no, they're going to blame themselves before they're going to blame you. But now they're, they're, they're lost and they got well more, more problems than, a, than an algebra class. Not, yeah, not only that, like, again, there's no power in worry. I mean, if that was true, we could prevent a lot of bad things from happening just from worry or make good things happening by wishing, you know, that good things are going to happen. So people erroneously connect their worry with a good outcome. Right. Or if they don't worry with a bad outcome. Okay. When there's like, like one of the anxiety, the exposures is like when people worry about, I forget this person that I had. I think she was worried about, you know, elevators, which is a common one. And also like sitting in a room and I'm like, okay, well, the ceiling can fall right now. Let's just wish that the ceiling will fall. And if it falls, I'm in here with you. Like we did that right, for right, a while. Right, right. So we did that. Or writing things down on a piece of paper because people think that if they have their thoughts written down, it then becomes true. Ooh. So a presenter that I went to had Trying. his patient write down, I want my mom to die and carry it around in her wallet. Yeah, there's some scary stuff you can do. Yeah, he's done some things like put it, like I said, put a knife on the table. Yeah. Like you're not going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to jump in front of that train, taking people out in the field and going and making sure they're not going to jump in front of a train. So yeah. Anyway, I digress into OCD nerdiness. Okay. So that's our summary for today. So, you know, give a little bit of information about OCD. There's always more to learn about this topic, I'd say. So... As always, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us if you have any questions at info at And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm.